What's up, guys? You're listening to the Life in Motion audio experience, featuring interviews around travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, guys? I'm especially excited about episode 27 of Life in Motion, where I had the chance to chat with pro BMXer, stuntman, and overall thrill seeker Mike Escamilla. Listen as we chat about what it was like coming up as a pro rider back in the day and how that lifestyle has led him to be a stuntman for major films and even a TV star, all while collecting unique experiences from all over the world. If you like what you hear, don't forget to give this episode a share. What's up, guys? Um, I'm pretty excited about who I have on the phone today, uh, Mike Escamilla, a.k.a. Rooftop. Um, He's uh, a legend in the BMX world, which is kind of how I know him. He's had plenty of, uh, you know, uh, video parts, magazine features, um, and has even had his own character on the video game, Matt Hoffman BMX. Um, but aside from that, he's also uh, more or less a full-time adventurer uh, and also has kind of trans- transitioned in some different uh, stunt work opportunities as well for some uh, some movies. You guys might have heard some. Um, but anyways, Mike, man, stoked to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Stoked to be here. So, so for those of us... Um, that don't know who Rooftop is. Give us a little bit of a background of who you are. You know, where where did you grow up? Your hobbies, um, kind of. What what is your background story? Your origin story? Huh. Let me think about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, pretty much a California kid, like middle class California kid. Um, as far as hobbies go, I was I I just rode BMX bikes since I was sixth grade or something, and then that just became my job. So I was a professional BMX bike rider. I mean, technically still am. Uh, I don't know if I feel like it, but I technically I still am. Um, but that's been like 25 years of being a professional BMX bike rider, as well as I've been doing stunts, which is what I always wanted to do for a living uh, since the mid-90s. Interesting, um, okay. And then also uh, I've done about 80 episodes of television, uh, whether about of hosting different shows. I've had a couple different shows. And so that's led me to be able to travel a ton and be able to experience a lot of different um, cultures. Um, I've been to 62 countries. And I've worked like uh, over 200 jobs in those 60 countries. But I've also been out of the country close to 200 times or more. Actually, probably more than 200 times. So uh, a little, quite a bit of traveling in the last 20, 20 some odd years. And uh, now I'm a, um, I'm a dad of a five-year-old. That's awesome. That's probably the best job you've had yet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely the... Um, <laughs> It's the one that's the most tiring, but it's yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh yeah, you have a, you have a little a little boy or a girl? A little boy, six six months. So oh, you think that's tiring? You haven't even started yet. Uh yeah. Well, I'm kind of afraid once he can start moving around, I got to chase him, and uh, so it's gonna yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah. we did start talking back. <laughs> that's also true. Now they're running away from you and telling you to f off. <laughs> Whole new challenge. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you, so you got into BMX pretty early. Um, like you said, like when you were in sixth grade or whatnot, was it just like a thing? Like, you know, just kind of met up with the, I mean, the, I'm sure the typical story, um, you know, just met up with some buddies after school or on the weekends and just kind of just ventured out, you know, were, were there skate parks or you just kind of didn't know what you were doing and just started jumping curbs or. Well, there was no skate parks, but there happened to be a ton of kids in my neighborhood, like 13 or something like that. And there was like eight of us, eight of the boys all rode bikes and we're all older. I was the youngest kid. And so when I started sort of jumping this jump at this church, like a couple blocks from my house around the sixth grade ish, but really the seventh grade, I started really getting into it because I would ride my bike three hours to, I'm sorry, three miles, <laughs> three, hours, three miles to school. And on the way to the jumps, there was a place called the pit 
and that was like the local jump. So we'd go and, and ride it for an hour before school and a couple hours after school. And then I, as those guys, I, I mean, I did that through seventh and eighth grade and then I went to a different high school. And uh, as everyone sort of got into cars, I kept sort of riding bikes and uh, I had a bunch of other skater friends that all were like sort of pro skaters. So I sort of rode my bike with them mostly until I had met another guy that lived about 13 or 14 miles away, Brian Castillo. And then I just rode with him every day. We'd ride to each other's houses every day in the summer. And that's sort of it. It sort of went from there. Really? I didn't, I didn't know that you guys kind of grew up together, I guess, in that sense. Um, yeah, I, probably, I met him, I think, when I was in the ninth grade. Uh, it would have been, yeah, I met him, I think, in the ninth grade. Uh, eighth or ninth grade, but I think the ninth grade, he was in the tenth grade. And then, yeah, so, like, we, yeah, we were both, we were both just sort of, just we were just street riders, and we just rode and together, like, almost every day, yeah. That's so awesome. And then, and then you obviously came up with some, you know, different opportunities and sponsors, I think pretty, pretty early on um, of kind of getting that exposure, you know, right when I guess um, BMX, the freestyle started kind of getting a public eye on it, I, I guess I could be a little bit wrong or more of a public eye, I guess. I mean, it, I was, I was, I, we started going to the POW house, which was like the pros of Westminster. It was this house in Westminster, California that had these bunch of guys up there and they had these ramps in the backyard and through that I met a bunch of other guys other pros that were in the area and then sometime in 93 I believe it would have been 90 let me think maybe 90 93 I guess yeah 93 I think 93 maybe maybe it was 94 I'm not sure um we went to a guy they let me go to him with the contest in Oklahoma my parents said yes we drove across country and went to a contest and all sort of started there but I'd already started shooting photos okay because some of the I was uh, super young at the time and uh S&M bikes owner Chris Moeller I think told Brad McDonald who was a uh he was a guy who ran the magazine back then yeah both of me and so that sort of had come out right around the same time those photos and that's kind of how it started and then i just i mean i just i just was always doing it it didn't never life never it didn't seem weird that i was a professional bike rider because that's what i've been doing sort of shooting photos since i was a saw maybe it's junior in high school so it just seemed like that was just normal to me and then yeah that's so so yeah you started traveling and doing that stuff pretty pretty young as far as that which i'm sure is it's kind of wild, especially if you were kind of the young guy at the time or, or like what you were saying. Um, yeah, I was like 15 or something like that when I first went to Oklahoma, maybe. And then, I mean, I was, then I was doing the whole contest. There was like a contest series, so I would do all those. Um, so, yeah, I was traveling in high school to go to contests, and then my first trip out of the country would have been in 95. I would have been, still been in – wait, let me think for a second. My first trip out of country probably was in – 94 maybe to peru to do a really? demo i think i was in high school um i would have been in high school and then my and then i broke i then i got hurt i broke a i tore my shoulder needed surgery so i was out for a while was that and over then, there that happened you tore your shoulder no i tore my shoulder in my backyard ramp oh okay. uh, and then um i was just tail tapping a sub box and i used to i used to not know how to work my brakes so i put rubber bands on my brakes to get them to pull back <laughs> And the rubber brands broke, and then uh, oh man, and so that just, just everything just opened up, right? Um, <laughs> and so uh, I fell off my sub box, like you know, like sprocket chunked off, you know, like a tail tap slip. Uh, and then I think my second trip out of the states was right after I had surgery my senior year, and then 
I got right back on my bike and I, I missed the first X games because of it. Uh, I was invited to that. And then uh, right after that, I just went right into um, my first pro comp, which would have been Oklahoma that year of 95, I guess. Wow. And then, so I, I guess one thing that's, I guess, funny, especially, um, you know, you, you kind of being, I guess, the, the legend stats that you have, you kind of seen it all. And now you're in kind of this new age of BMX right now. Um, what what was it like? Or I guess, what was your favorite part of the pre-internet? I mean, you know, print wasn't dead, you know, when you, when you like got really big, I guess, in that way, you know, DVDs were still a thing, you know, video games were a thing with Matt Hoffman and, and Dave Meir and all that stuff. What was it kind of like, like growing up in that kind of era of, well, of, of the BMX world? As far as growing up and being like, as far as it, uh, like um, concerning being a bike rider in the BMX world, it, I, I actually personally think it was, it's hard to say it was better because I think me saying it was better is like a silly, a silly notion uh, because it, I mean, kids really have, it, the internet makes everything so easy now. But yeah. I do think it was better uh, for being a pro. Like it might be better now as a kid who's not a pro, but for being a pro it was better then. Um, but even maybe as a kid, because things meant something, right? Like now you're just, you're just getting like, people are just shoving everything down your throat all day long. You know, video parts don't matter anymore as far as I'm concerned, because you work for a year on them and they're, people talk about them for three days. If yeah. That. Um, before you had, and also like, there's so many people now that you see all day long. Like you don't even know who all these kids are and everyone's so good. It has nothing to do with how good people are. People are better now than they ever been. But relative to the time when, you know, you'd work on a trick and you'd work on something, you'd have it, and no one would know you could do it until your part came out. And they'd have to wait months. And then once it come out, they might have to wait months until they actually got a copy of it. And so you could sort of like, you could, as a pro, you could have these things you worked on and then sort of present them uh, in a big package where now you have to basically get them out as fast as possible, which makes them feel not as worth as much because you're not packaging them along with another eight tricks or 10 tricks that you've been working on. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I also think that it, um, it sort of made, uh, things in general, not seem as cool. And like when you had a magazine, there might've been 20 or 30 dudes who were in the magazine. So every month it was like, you were getting an episode of your favorite television show and you could learn about them. Now you open them, when you open magazines, you're like, I don't know who anyone is. Yeah. And that's not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. But from a, I don't think kids nowadays understand what it was like before. Um, you had a, a different kind of connection with these people, I think, than you did before because you felt like you, they were your, they were like superstars. And, and like when I built a picture of Matt Hoffman, I was like, dude, Matt Hoffman's a, like, he's untouchable. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a yeah. superhero. And now you're just like, oh, whatever. You know, like, you know, I see this stuff all day long. Um, and also I think that bike riding's changed in a, a, to a, to a, in a weird spot where like as, as much as I think bike riding is at the all time high of bicycle skills and um, all time high of, um, of skills, I do think that it is the lowest point of filming. Like you have a few dudes who are killing it and you have nowadays, I don't know if kids actually ride bikes anymore. I feel like they only ride bikes if they're filming clips. Yeah. You don't just go like, hey, let's go pedal. Like everyone drives to a spot, rides a spot. And the weird thing is, is that's the other thing is that's weird to me is 
what I think has taken down bike riding a level as far as entertaining to watch. Um, and like I said, this isn't me dissing bike riding because it's so full of amazing riders. When I watch, when you, when you pull clips apart, you're like, this is the hardest bike ride I've ever seen. Yeah. But as a whole, they've made it into, they've turned, before you would go to spots, and now everyone's so concerned with getting clips and they think it's creative to make some, a spot out of nothing. Well, the thing is, you've just done the same shit on nothing. Like, everywhere is a spot now. And, like, that is made bike riding to me not as entertaining to watch. Because you're like, look, I, I, you didn't need to fly to Europe to ride this three-stair. You can ride that shit at the church around the corner. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, I, I don't really need to see you ride this curb. Like, if I see – like, it's hard to – and because I know how hard it is, so I'm not dissing that, but entertainment value and le- how to create a video part that people are going to remember forever. Like, if I – every day on the internet, I see someone doing some trick with a backwards 360 manual out of it, and I'm like – Ah, I don't care anymore. It's just, it's just the point where like, I know how hard it is. Like, even some of my favorite riders to, who were my favorite riders to watch on, on Instagram. I'm now like, they've saturated so much crap. You're just like, dude, I get it. I get it. You, you're, 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 you're a flatlander. I get it. You're a flatlander now. <laughs> Somebody asked me once if I'd be a pro bike rider if I came out now. And I said, no, because I'm no good at flatland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that is a pretty funny analogy though. Cause it's, uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, no, exactly. It's just weird to me. Like, I don't get what I don't understand is like, I get how you can ride whatever you want, but if you're going to film a part, why are you? It's so weird to me. Like, I don't think as a rider, I, I know for sure because I've, I've done this and been like, I don't get how they do it. I don't care what trick I'm doing on it. I don't know how you can grind ledges that are just barely higher than a curve and literally <laughs> be that's in your video part. Like, I get how you can do it while you're learning it, but when you're filming something, how do you not go, okay, let's make this like, like, silly you know like not silly like those are just curves you're just skating curves like a skater yeah and it's it's just it's just so strange to me that you could be fulfilled doing that yeah i get it like i said i get it if you're out riding around doing your thing learning it and just that's you riding but like to film a part on that stuff i'm just like i it's instantly as soon as you start seeing like oh okay we don't need to watch this because it really doesn't matter what he's going to do because if he falls down he's falling two inches who gives a shit yeah yeah it's not it's not uh I don't want to say not as gnarly either, but yeah, bigger setups. It's just not even it's a gnarly thing, but it's just like I don't know. It's just it's to me it's almost no different than watching someone do stuff into a foam pit. Yeah, like or a resi. You're like, yeah, that was sick, but it's on a resi. Like, and it's not. I'm not want to take away from the trick, but you're like, eh, it's a lot easier to chuck something when you know there's no there's no um, risk at all. Yeah. And not that yes. everything needs to be a risk, but it's also shouldn't be like so silly that someone who started riding bikes a week ago could grind. Yeah. It's a peg up with the parts. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, there's ledges that people grind and obviously they're doing tricks on them, but I could probably take someone who's never grinded before and teach them <laughs> how to ride on that ledge today. <laughs> who has somewhat of an athletic skill, maybe. Like I could yeah. take a 60 year old man and teach him how to double peg grind <laughs> a ledge that is two inches, three inches higher than your pegs. Like that's, and they don't even need to, I could see them at a bunny hop and grind. That's crazy to think. And that's one thing for kids, but you're a professional bike rider, man. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, it just, it's, it, I, and I get it with your riding having fun, but if you're actually filming, get the fuck out. <laughs> no, I'm starting some, start some, starting some enemies with this. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh that's funny no I, I totally totally get where you're coming from on that you know it's all the 
the perspective and, and like you said if you're if you're, if you're a pro there's different things that that you should go to and definitely um I'm, I'm kind of mumbling right now but i definitely remember like the feeling as well like looking at the it was like i think early 2000 i started riding um but ride bmx was at my local grocery store um and just yeah you'd see the same guys and be like you're, you're heroes like you you know who they are you're waiting to see what they're what they're up to um i still think i remember a video or a photo of, of you doing that um uh that that grind to backflip into the ditch um oh, yeah yeah that that just like always stuck in my mind from that which is still crazy to me because that I was it took so long for someone else to do it yeah it, it did it did really <laughs> it took like 15 years or something and then they did it they did it. i mean it's, i i have a different respect for it because i know how scary and how hard it is but then like it was done like the reason i did it where i did it i did it at the top of this huge like drainage ditch because i was like i knew people were gonna have a problem with me building something and doing something that i built um so i was like well i'm gonna make it as gnarly as possible so <laughs> do it and they can't really talk say anything about it but i was surprised a few times i did i've seen it in the last um a uh, couple of years that it was done on uh something that wasn't as gnarly yeah I think they, or they, they change it in a way that it would uh, be like a i don't want to say a one-up because i don't really think there's such thing as a one-up um i've had people go like oh are you mad he one up to you and i'm like yeah that was a decade ago you can't one-up someone a decade later <laughs> it's like it's called progression uh you know, you'd one up me if you did it the next day and did like a flip whip into the ditch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you'd think you'd sort of want to like have a little bit of progression with it. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally understand. Um, so, so, cause I know you got, I guess let's jump back on some, uh, it's, you know, with, with BMX, like what you're talking about, you know, there's a lot of traveling that you did, um, a lot of, a lot of exploring, a lot of um, stuff that, you know, we just kind of spoke about as far as, you know, finding those different spots for those specific parts, you know, once you kind of figured out the trick or whatnot. Um, and of course, meeting people, I'm, I, well, I know you've met people from all over the world and that kind of stuff. What, how, how did BMX or did like BMX and kind of that lifestyle expose you to these kind of non BMX related activities? Um, you know, if you're on your, if you check out your Instagram or anything like that, you know, you always seem to be doing something, um, uh, that I guess would be considering, you know, an extreme support sport, you know, uh, skydiving, cliff jumping, just traveling in general. How, how did this kind of two worlds, like, I guess, work together to kind of get sort of like where you're at today? Well, how, I, 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 I don't know how it started exactly, but what I kind of attribute it to is in the late nineties, I was sponsored by Etni shoes and Nixon watches and Hurley clothing. And I get in, I grew up with a lot of skateboarders. So a lot of the brands that I went to originally were skateboard brands that they had worked with. Um, and they all had other athletes. They sponsored, like surf athletes and snow athletes and whatever. And so I, I got to go on some of those trips here and there with these other athletes. And I realized um, how much fun it was. And then it started to seem silly that I, uh, I only rode bikes. I know that like in the late nineties, I got a lot of beef because in grief because i wasn't riding bikes every day of my life that i was out doing other stuff and i mean now you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a professional athlete that didn't have other um didn't have other hobbies or interests that he was good at you know but back yeah. then it was not it was not a cool thing um i mean there's interviews of other pros like dissing me for it and it's it crazy to me but for <laughs> me it, it had totally affected the way i rode bikes like i started snowboarding and then i was like well i can 540 this 80 for this 60 foot jump or something 
why can't I do, why can't I 540 anything on a bike that is smaller? And so I started doing a lot more backward stuff. Really? Uh, dropping faking into things that were like probably not the best thing to drop faking into. <laughs> and I would like just, I would just change the way I looked at bike riding um, and street riding and things like that. And plus also it changed the way a bike riding was changed the way I looked at snowboarding because back then I don't, I mean, I don't want to say I invented it because that's not it, but I, I, I don't remember ever thinking I saw anyone do wall rides on snowboards and I would do wall rides on these little, like these ed, these wood piece, these wood walls that were like sort of in sections on the hill, uh, you know, so we didn't fly off. And then I remember years later, it became like a thing. You know? But I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen that back in the day. Um, you can claim the title of, of creating No, that. I wouldn't do that. But, I, <laughs> but I, my point is that it was like, I think you're, you can be influenced either way. And so while going on these trips, I started realizing that the world is a lot bigger. Because with bike riding, you didn't really get to go to that many cool, like luxurious places. You know, when yeah. I was surfing, I was like, oh, I'm going to go on this surf trip with these guys to Fiji. And I'm going to go heliboarding in Alaska. And I realized the world was a lot bigger than what I was allowing it to be. And that wasn't because I had any shackles on. It was just because my brain wasn't, wasn't looking at it that way. And so I started making where I wanted to go, like how, where I wanted to ride my bike based on where I wanted to go. And then it all sort of just fell in place from there. I just think that, um, and then all, I think a lot of people think too, like that a lot of places are, um, are, really crazy places I go, but a lot of it is right here in Southern California. I don't think people realize how much stuff there is usually around their own house. Uh, I mean, there's like, you wouldn't think there's 20 waterfalls probably in LA, but there are. Really? And like, yeah, there's so much stuff. And then I, I realized that um, I got sick of the, like when people film, I, I, here's the thing is I've never, I've said this before, but it's, it's, it, it's we'll do it here. Um, I'm sure I'll <laughs> say it again, but I, I think it's like, I know that there's, like, there's a really famous set of stairs that just got torn down and rebuilt and everyone was freaking out called El Toro. Oh. Yeah. And like I, I couldn't give <laughs> two shits. I don't I never I never understood why people were fascinated to ride famous spots. To me, when I saw a spot get something get done there, I was like, okay, well that there's no reason to ever go there again. Like I don't care how big I don't know like there's nothing special about that set of stairs other than that someone said it's famous. And uh why would you want to keep going and do stuff there? Why wouldn't you go find your own stuff? Like in my head, I wanted to go make other places famous, not ride what other people had already did that seemed like a silly mindset to me so when people like and obviously there i remember in my head like there were spots like places i wanted to go when i was a kid like the gone's gap in san francisco before it was gone but for the most part i don't understand that way of thinking so when i realized i could go anywhere i could travel anywhere i could or i just there were so many spots to look at i just started i mean especially back in the day we had thomas guides but especially google earth you could just go anywhere and you could find out it was more in the search for a cool spot to do something at than anything else back then. Uh, and I think that's been lost a little bit. People just drive to these like quote unquote famous spots and you're like, literally means nothing. And, and everything's been done there and everything yeah. like that. It's like, they're trying to like get up. Like, I feel like they're trying to get a piece of fame or notoriety off the spot. Right. Instead of just doing what the trick is like doing doing something down old Toro and do, I don't know how many stairs it is 20, maybe, I don't know. Uh, and doing something down another 20 or 18 stair doesn't is not one is harder than the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, I just, it's weird to me that you don't go find some cool looking set somewhere or cool looking rail or cool other spot that's, that you can do that trick on that no one's ever seen before. It's weird to me that people like who gives a two shits about a stair set at a school in California. Yeah. Like it's literally, 
literally, it's literally a stair set. You can just ride off a building. It's the exact same thing. Like I'll just go, let me just go 360 off a, off a container, two containers stacked up. Like it's not any, like there's no, the skill level is, there's no difference. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just a notoriety of the, of the, of the spots. Yeah. And the only like, difference is if you took time to try to do something creative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, I mean, that's part of the fun too. I mean, even, you know, that's all around, around Springfield now, it's fun just going to different parts of the town that I've never been and finding, of course, I'm not where, nowhere on the level of that stuff. So it's still kind of little jibby stuff that I do, but it's fun going around the corner. You're like, well, here's this weird little curb to a wall or, you know, whatever, just cause you're just out exploring. Like that's part of the fun. Yeah, that's that's everything. Um, so so yeah, well, that's awesome. I guess you know, have, having um, using BMX and also these other sports um, to kind of feed your overall creativity and, and basically you know whatever uh, that that you've been up to and or get yourself into. Um, how so? How did that kind of transition? And and actually, you know, you, you mentioned it when we first started. You know, you always kind of wanted to be a stuntman. Um, how, how did you kind of get into, into that? I mean, did that kind of come naturally, you know, since, well, you know, you're sending stuff on your bike, of course, but then you actually have to, I don't know how that industry works, of course. Um, well, I, I, I always wanted to be a stuntman and then, um, bikes was my way in. So I started getting, I got, a, got a couple jobs in high school doing, I did a Nintendo commercial, um, uh, for a unicycle game, riding bikes all the city, actually Spike Jones. Um, he directed it, the big, the big, really. And then, um, and then I would do like, I did afterwards, I did some, a bunch of spots on, um, I did some BMX stuff on the show called Pacific Blue, which was like these beach mountain bikers riding BMX. But then I sort of looked like one of the mountain bike cops. So then I doubled that mountain bike cop for a few episodes. <laughs> and things would come up here and there. And it wasn't until this movie in 2005, uh, I think 2005, 2006 called Stick It, which is a Disney movie, a gymnastics movie. And there was a BMX sequence in the beginning that I, they had a sequence in the beginning that sort of helped rearrange it and make it a lot cooler. And then we really did the whole sequence for real. It was three of us, three different bike riders who did the whole thing. Uh, I don't know why, but that's the way they had it done. Um, we all doubled this girl. And after that, uh, this guy, Jimmy, Jimmy Romano, who was like a co-coordinator on it, I believe he was doing something else. And he finally hired me for my first non BMX job. So I've been doing stunts for over a decade, just bike stuff. And so then I started being able to do more stunts and more stunts. And it was always, stunts always took a backseat to bike riding. But over the last few years, I've sort of made stunts a priority. And now I've gotten to work on some pretty, pretty cool movies in the last couple of years. So are you, and you said, you know, kind of uh, BMX was kind of your way into that. But so like the stunts that you're doing now, I mean, is it kind of anything, I guess? Is well, it, they just kind of give you a list of like, hey, this is good of what's going to be in the movie. And you kind of figure out how to prove yourself that you can do that and like I don't well, know what does that look like I mean you have a stunt coordinator who builds a team and he knows all the whole teams so and he knows what everyone can do he'll you'll hire guys who do things um who is their like uh their what their the thing they do is like if you need a guy who's a driver or a guy who does certain specific things uh you'll have guys who can do that and then everyone is really usually pretty talented um I always feel like I'm the least talented person in the room that's how that's how I sort of view everything when I, when I go into a room and stuff because everyone's so talented and um, you know, a lot of times it's just hitting the ground or uh, wire works or falling or what, you know, burns or whatever. But uh, most guys can do a lot of stuff. Um, and a lot of those guys train really hard every day to learn everything else. Like right now I am doing fight and gun training 
uh, which I'm actually leaving right off this podcast to go to go do uh, for this movie in the fall, just so I'm up to par and, and make sure that I'm not uh, I'm not a weak link. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like um, you, there's guys who have a, a, like who have their um, thing that they do, and then everyone else uh, kind of can do a lot of things as well. That's awesome. And, and kind of like what you just mentioned there. So, I mean, it's more or less going to a, um, a, a stuntman's gym. I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but like the, the practice and the yeah, good I mean, fights and that kind of stuff. And just throwing different, that. I don't know. I just, I, I bet that'd be really fun to watch kind of training for all that. And I mean, it's, it's like any sort of other working out. It's just, uh, it's just, it's like anything else. It's like going to the skate park and today you're learning truck drivers and for the first 700 of them, you're going to miss the bars. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just like that. It's the exact same thing. That's, that's awesome. Um, so with, with kind of obviously both BMX and kind of um, you doing all these different activities and stunt work and stuff, you know, I'm sure you've had, uh, you know, different, some different projects and um, travel opportunities and kind of that. So like where, where all have, I guess, I guess you mentioned that you've been to way too many places. So that might be kind of hard one, but is there like a specific uh, trip or a specific project that you've kind of worked on um, to date that really kind of just left something with you? Uh, well, I think at the time, I didn't see it this way, but I did this TV show uh, in 2011, 2012, or 2010, 11, 12, I'm not exactly sure, 2011, uh, called Strangers in Danger. And at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal, but we had, every week we went to a different country and did things specific to their culture, whether it be jobs or traditions or um, rituals. And I got to, I got like over the two seasons, we went to about um, 27 or 28 countries or something like that. Uh, and we did like in each country, I would do probably 10 to 20, maybe like yeah, probably like 12 to 18 different jobs or rituals that were specific to the country. And I think now looking back, that will be probably the highlight of, uh, of being able to experience the world uh, as, as you could ever get. Like, we have to do things that no one gets to do. Like we had to do things that like a couple people in the world have ever done or get to do. Or, and it's, it's really, really was a, a special um, experience. So, well, speaking of that, I mean, how, how did you guys come up with like the ideas of like what you're doing in each country and kind of, um, Oh, there's a, the TV production company has people that hire they, <laughs> they just internet and Google stuff for weeks and weeks and weeks. <sighs> and then if, you know, and then they'll, they'll Google and probably put 30 things on the board and then they'll knock the 10 week ones off and then they'll, you know, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Uh, but I bet that was, I bet that was awesome kind of experiencing all of that stuff. Um, yeah, often and terrifying at the same time, but <laughs> back, it was great. when you're not in it, it was wonderful. Uh, I'll have to, um, I'll have to catch a couple episodes of that again and, and, uh, refresh my memory on some of those things. <laughs> yeah. I've been putting a couple of the clips up, up on my, on my Instagram IGTV. So you can go there and I've been putting some of the segments up of some of the things we did, like, inseminating cows and um, you know all sorts of like wild stuff eat all the weird stuff we ate and like oh i bet there are way too many good stories that come along with that um, what um so i so with with kind of and you sort of just touched on this but with um kind of your unique lifestyle if you will you know with bmx the different opportunities you've had different places you've traveled the experiences and people how is all that like how's that kind of affected your life? And now, you know, you, you know, you have a, a daughter and, and, you know, family life and all that stuff. 
how have those kind of experiences affected you, I guess, and the way that you just kind of, you know, look at your regular day to day? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I think that it, 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 when it affects me directly, it's affecting how I want her to view the world. Um, it definitely changes uh, empathy I have, basically understanding on what people are going through. Um, understanding that just because you're rich doesn't mean you're happy. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you're sad. Um, and also just that the world is available to you. Uh, it's just a matter of what constraints you put on yourself. And you can pretty much do anything you want. I mean, on that show, we would get like, all right, in 20 minutes from now, you're going to learn how to fight a bull. And you're going to be in the ring in 20 minutes. Or in a few minutes, you're going to learn how to scuba dive and go in and clean this shark tank or whatever it is. So I just got to instill in her that, or that's what I've been doing, is that anything is possible. Stop, stop saying you can't. Or even when she tells her friends, like, oh, you're not allowed. The word not allowed is crazy to me. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just think it's, it's sort of given me a different palette to work with mentally than I think other people may originally start with. Yeah. And, and that kind of like the empathy and stuff and, you know, knowing, especially, uh, I obviously you've seen so many different kind of walks of life to understanding that, you know, um, the, the things that people or, or we might, you know, complain about are, are nothing in the, in the scheme of, of things. And once you put that in perspective, I'm sure that's, probably humbling and helpful. And like you said, and kind of the whole parenting aspect as well. Yeah. Um, so for, you know, before we wrap things up here, you know, what's a, what's a piece of advice that you'd have for someone that's kind of, um, you know, either kind of in that BMX or stunt world, or just kind of wants to get out there and travel. Like you said, what is just a little piece of advice that you, that you have for them? Um, you know, just kind of get out there and do their own thing. Well, I, I saw this quote the other day, um, exhibit. I was at the rapper. He, I was at his house doing something the other day. Uh, and I see, just put wait, this wait, post. So that really wasn't your car? No, it wasn't my car. It's a <laughs> car. Uh, and so I, uh, I, he, he put a post up that I actually really like, and it is the secret to success you're looking for is in the work that you're not, that you're avoiding. Mm. So like, I think that is really good because it's so true. I look at all the things that could be getting done and, um, I realized that like I could have done all of it. It's just a sort of being lazy or finding other things to occupy your time. So I think that you're not, uh, I don't think that we're, we don't have plenty of time. I just think we waste a lot of time on things. I think that we live in a society where it's super easy to be distracted, whether it be on your phone or on the computer or TV or whatever that you could, you can get a lot of stuff done. People always ask me how I learned how to do all these things. And I don't think I really spent time learning them. I just, went and said yes to a lot of things. I think yeah. the biggest thing was, is I said yes. And I don't drink and I don't smoke and I never did any drugs. So I think there's a lot of times on weekends that I wasn't hungover, that I was up doing stuff. Mm-hmm. When someone, when I did, when, when I read something one time and said that if you sleep eight hours a day for 60 years, you'll have been asleep for 20 years of your life. <laughs> think about that. Asleep <laughs> wow. for 20 straight years at the, by age 60. I mean, that's not, I mean, I'm two thirds there. You're telling you know, that's, that's crazy to me. You tell me, all right, if I'd done that, I, I'd be asleep for, you know, like whatever, yeah. like six and a half years, I mean, or like 13 or 14 years so far. Um, so I started, I started sleeping less. I kind of worked off a good six hours, six hours a night, sort of. I mean, there are days I sort of do a catch up, 
but uh, or days that I get to sleep longer. But I'm on average, I get to do about six hours a night. And I just think like if you got that extra two hours a day, and I'm not always productive of those two hours. I'm not. I'm always not always going through with what I'm saying here. But you can get a lot done. I mean, you think about if you got think about if you got if you slept six hours a night, you would cut off five of those years. Yeah. Right. And so what could you do in five straight years? That's 24 hours a day for five years. <laughs> like you could, you could get, you could become a doctor almost, you know, if you're working 24 hours a day, if you was just school, I don't know if you can become a doctor, but you know, you could think of all the languages you could learn. Think of anything you could do. Like, even if it was just like, uh, keeping healthy, if I had to give another piece of advice, it'd be like, take care of your body, whatever that means for you. Like now I'm like, I mean, ice baths is almost every day. I take, I'm in the sauna. I like, I spent a little, uh, I spent a couple few grand building this stuff, which it wasn't near as expensive as you would think when you got into it. I just saved for it, made that a priority. And it's made, it's made how my body feels every day. If you can prolong your body to be healthy, then I think you'll feel healthier and be healthier. And there's times when I've gained so much weight that I've just like, this is, I was tired tying my shoes. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to feel like that. And so I think that just having that, it must tire your whole life down and everything is a chore. So I think trying to stay as healthy as possible, and I know that's not as easy as just saying it, but you got to start somewhere. That's awesome. And that, that, that perspective of the time uh, is, is kind of crazy once you actually uh, it's, it's multiply that out. and <laughs> imagine, imagine waking up at 20 and you've been asleep the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> or from 10 to 30, you just were asleep the entire time. Holy think God. how much yeah. goes on for 20 years of your life. That's, that's, yeah, no, that's wild to think about. Now I feel like I need to sleep less. I'm, I'm usually about a seven or eight hour guy, but now you feel like I need to cut off another hour. So I mean, imagine if from 15 to 20 or from 20 to 25, you could get that time over again. Think how much stuff you would do. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that would, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. Well, where, um, where can people find you online to see, see what you're up to next? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. Working on and I'm mostly on Instagram. I, I do have a Facebook, but I'm not very active on it. Um, I am working on a podcast that hopefully will be launching here in July or early August called Keep Bleeding. Um, it's not a BMX podcast if there are BMXs on it. Uh, it's everything from bike riders and skaters and stuntmen and actors and comedians, rappers, uh, TV personalities. Um, there's a lot of other kind of athletes, uh, people who are like healthy eaters. Like it's, it's kind of an everything podcast, yeah. uh, but it's going great. Um, I'm hoping to launch in July and, uh, it's called keep bleeding. Now you know Mike. this is July, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm looking at it. I'm hoping, hoping by the end of July, <laughs> I, 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 I just, it's a lot of work and, um, I just, I haven't been really doing it. <laughs> I've just been busy lately, so it's been slowing down a bit. No, I totally understand. That's that's yeah. awesome. I love the the title of it. It sounds like you're gonna have a good uh, mix of people on there. Um, yeah, the, the guests long. have been really great. I've been I've been I've been I've been shocked by the people that have said yes. That's all. All you can do is all you can do is ask, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, make sure um, you check them out on um, Instagram and check out the podcast when it launches later this um, month, which I'm sure will be announced on his Instagram. Um, Crossing my fingers on that. (laughs) (laughs) He'll announce it at some point. Um, (laughs) But anyways, yeah, check him out, see what he's up to. Um, And 
Mike, thanks again for coming on and kind of sharing your story, your background and uh, kind of the journey that you've had through BMX and travel and, and everything extreme and action sports and adventure oriented. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. This is really fun. Yeah, for sure. And good luck um, later on today for your little gig. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just, you know, <laughs> going to the gym, except you're holding an AK-47. It's yeah, that's the same thing I do at Planet Fitness down the street, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, it was good talking. All right, have a good one. Hey guys, I really appreciate you listening and would absolutely love if you left a rating on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, or wherever you're listening to this. Your feedback is our inspiration to continue these stories and grow.